0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Roar brought to you by BlueWire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall, joined by my co-host, John Ellis, to recap a week one game where the Carolina Panthers fell to the Atlanta Falcons 24-10. to 10. Uh, We will digest all of the news and notes and analysis that we can parse through. Uh, but first, I want to introduce my guest and co-host, John. What's up, man?
2: What's up? How you doing, man? Uh, interesting week one, no doubt. Uh, it's good to be back regular season. Dive in I'm in just glad state. football's back. You know what I am too it's like we waited so long to get back into it there's a lot to digest from this game I know you looked at the film a little bit I did too and uh, let's get into it man it's good stuff yeah
1: so obviously there's each week there's going to be news and um you know situations that occur after every game and I think the first place to start off is the injury to JC, JC Horn look uh I'm not really interested, at least today to get into, um, you know, the discussion of, you know, the player and his future. I just think that this is another situation where we were very concerned about the depth in the cornerback room. Uh, I thought they were, they did a good job of finding Troy Hill, um, We'll get to the analysis of this game, but I don't think I I, there's nothing I can take away from the past defense performance against a quarterback who refused to throw the ball. Um, But to me, as it pertains to Horn, I just I don't know what to say anymore. Like, honestly, like I I, yes, I feel for the player. It's terrible, but I just I'm I'm not going to say I'm speechless because you know, it's just become a consistent thing now every single year.
2: I mean, this is the thing, Billy, with, with JC Horn, every year we we talk about certain players. We went through this with McCaffrey for a long time, where, you know, injury prone, injury prone. Look, there's a big debate out there about whether a guy's injury prone or whether it's just bad luck. However you slice it, and that's a debate for the show. This is now year three with another I don't want to say catastrophic, but this is significant now. This is a hamstring. And we saw when it happened in real time. We knew that there would be consequences to this. And you know, the report from Jeremy Fowler this morning, and as you just talked about, you know, he's gonna miss several weeks, if not more. And you know how these hammies are for corners. It's it's not easy to rebound from that. So it's just so unfortunate for the young man. I mean, I, I feel bad for him. I know he's you know, like you said earlier you don't want to get too personal and hard on him but it's a business and now you're at a point now with this corner situation where you're coming into the season this seems like a point of strength for this team on the front line but as we talk about depth being an issue with this team already in week one you're starting to see it a key player for this core of this defense uh, out of the lineup now and now you're, you're relying on C.J. Henderson and, <laughs> and, and Troy Hill did some good things in the slot yeah but I I'm really concerned about the secondary moving forward without Horn. This was a big piece of what was supposed to make things go for this defense moving forward with the Evro putting an emphasis on coverage as always and um yeah it's really unfortunate for him and the team as well.
1: Yeah, and I just think that's the biggest thing, take away from this and I, again I'm I'm just like annoyed at the situation. I'm not blaming anyone in particular. I'm not blaming the player for you know whatever type of rehab he's doing in the off season and his training i'm not blaming the coaching staff uh, i'm just i'm annoyed at the entire situation because uh, you know this is you know it's become a trend and i just want to make one comment because i've seen it floated around all right i'm not making any type of future projection on where jc horn is going to end up but let's just try to calm down with the thomas davis comparisons here all right i, I mean that is totally irrelevant to this situation uh i mean john you is go, that happening is that happening right now well there's you know so i've seen it on somewhere in panthers twitter that you know you can't give up on jc this quickly because you, can't, you get thomas davis under my- Oh my god <laughs>
2: Every, look everybody's different I, and i look i admire jc i knew this would fire you up well, J.C.'s a pro, and his dad was a pro, and I, this, is, this is the great thing about this podcast. We can come on here after a loss and, and really give our true, honest perspective on things. And look, we're never going to tell people how to fan, but certainly from an analysis standpoint, there is absolutely zero correlation between what Thomas Davis went through tearing his ACL three times. And coming back each of those times and end up breaking his arm before a Super Bowl and playing in that game in a cast where his arm looked like a goddamn football, by the way. And JC Horn, who is now struggling into year three with consistent soft tissue injuries. There's no correlation. Everybody's going through something. Hell, Aaron Rodgers right now is going through something. It's a tough league. It's a tough business. Every situation is different. So, you know, God bless whoever tweeted that out, but, you know, yeah, that's there's nothing there to correlate. <laughs> uh, and
1: I, I don't want to attribute to anyone in particular. I just I, I saw that discussion among Panthers Twitter today, and I just want to yeah. clarify that I don't Fuck. think these those two situations are comparable in any way.
2: I hope he comes back. I hope I, I am hoping for JC Horn, as we talked about consistently on this show to come back this year. Uh, we didn't expect it to be week one, but here it is. Here we are again. Uh, to come back and to be the kind of player that we know he can be on tape. Every time he's on film, he flashes, and he does great things. So he's an outstanding player who's had, uh, as Clint Black would say, a good run of bad and it's really unfortunate. So that's that's all I've got on J.C., man. I, I think the world of him, he can do so much for you. He can line up in the slot. He can take away the tight end. He can take away the boundary X. But right now, he's unavailable. And as Bill Parcells always says, man, Your availability is as important as your ability, and right now it's becoming a problem for J.C.
1: For sure. Um, Okay, let's get into this game now. Uh, You know, I did have a chance to watch it, and we're going to start off with the offense because I think most people want to hear our analysis on uh, that side of the ball. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it was a very, like, you know, the I wouldn't say the energy was off. I just felt there was just a little... um, complacency in my opinion with the offense and again understanding the situation with the um, skilled talent it's not the best right now and we have to acknowledge that i also mentioned on our last episode that i'm not going to critique the play calling until maybe you know the first week in october again this is still an extension of the preseason and I'm not trying to make excuses for anything either because there are certainly um some decisions that I disagreed with. Okay. Um but overall I thought the offensive line played pretty well. I thought Iquanu bounced back in a good way. He had a very strong game pass blocking. Um you know it's interesting this is now like the second year in a row where he looks just completely overwhelmed in the preseason, but you know when the regular game starts he looks pretty good. And again you know, he's not going against the best edge rushers in the NFL. He's going to face a much stiffer test in weeks to come. But for what he was asked to do, I thought he played well. I thought Moten, again, very valuable as a pass blocker. And, uh, you know, Brandon Thorn from, you know, who does tremendous work. You can subscribe to his sub stack on Trench Warfare. He pointed out the rookie right guard, Zavala, having an excellent game for, you know, his first start. So, overall, I was pleased with the offensive line. Um, you know, the... The skill players. Okay, running back-wise, I mean, this was Miles Sanders' first game. I I thought he was a little tentative at times. Now, the situation around him, I think, can be better. And by that, I mean not necessarily the offensive line. Maybe try to scheme up and create angles in the run game so he's not running into loaded boxes. And that was one of my issues with that fourth-and-one call on the first drive where they drove it down. And they're just running into a loaded box against the strength of Atlanta's defense, which is that interior with Onyameta, Calais, and Jarrett. Um, now, the you know, the skilled talent, I again, I, it's tough for me to really just lay blame at them. Again, it comes down to, in my opinion, you know, understanding the situation, which is that this is a very, um, it's not a good group from a you know talent standpoint. So. How can you make their lives easier? What can you do to scheme up route concepts and situations that play into the quarterback's strengths? And yeah, I mean, the quarterback was his first game. He didn't, I mean, he was okay. Like there was certainly some stuff where his timing and the way he threw the ball, I mean, it looked exactly like the guy you saw at Alabama. But yeah, like he can't throw the same interception twice. I mean, that, I mean, Jesse Bates is, a very good safety and it was a poor read um you know a couple times so again first game i'm not taking anything away from that i just think that that's um, you know the three rookie qbs who started i thought they all played um at a very similar level like there was nothing exciting in there i don't think there was anything too concerning uh but overall those are my thoughts on the offense uh you know we we'll we can get into some of the decisions and play calls that kind of affected this game but uh um, curious to hear your thoughts
2: well i thought we we came into this game expecting that frank and, and thomas brown and the entire staff would show something different and they did they, throughout the preseason and we looked at the tape on that there was very little with any pistol formation shown there so they came out of that pistol the short shotgun type of look and they had a good mixture of play calls early. Now you can get into a fourth-and-one situation. There's a couple ways to look at this. Number one, having the backs you have and having a quarterback who's going to be reluctant uh, and the coaching staff will be reluctant with him to set up design run schemes for him because of his size, obviously. Uh, and again, that's just a matter of fact. Uh, I think you, there's one or two things you can do here. Number one, you can spread the offense out a little bit. If you're in a fourth and one If you, you go for it early on. And like you said, create some better angles and opportunities for either Sanders or Hubbard to get one yard rather than condensing the formation and and pretty much tipping the play. You can run play action off of that, which I would have loved. And you know, Hey, uh, hindsight's 2020. We'll, we'll analyze that all season long with these play calls, but there is an element to this, too. We're having a guy that, like last year with Foreman, a guy that has a little bit of muscle. They that can that can be hard up in the paint, if you will. They don't necessarily have that in the running game right now. This is an unusual time for Carolina Panthers fans. So that You saw the Cam Newton era with Tolbert and Stewart. You had a bully ball going on there, Billy. You had some ability. When it's fourth and one, okay, you know it's money down. You've got one of three options there where you can push forward and get that thing done in a power sense in this game in a fourth and one I, i'm not going to second guess frank Reich, but certainly to, to have well, i guess it was hubbard on there on the play right on the fourth and one it was just it was swallowed up but again that comes down to blocking spacing angles uh, everything you talked about and i thought bryce you know there were some moments there that were great there there was an out route there to, to mingo with Barry, yeah that was a nice throw to hit. that was a great throw uh, i thought the drive rehearsed got the touchdown that was That was fun to watch. That's how you have to take this early on as a rookie quarterback-guided team, I think, if you're a fan. And, again, we always tell you – we're not going to tell you how to fan, but at least as an analyst, I'm not surprised they lost that game just in so much that it it felt – you know, Billy, I covered Clemson. This is like how it was for Clemson week one against Duke. The same exact situation. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. You give that kind of team that many opportunities on a short field or backed up in your own – you know to ten yard line and there's an anatomy to each turnover you have to look into the first interception with Bryce it was a, just an unfortunate situation where Bates is hanging down there and he, he reads his eyes and, and catches it was basically the same thing on both what I saw on tape but there's an anatomy to it you get a, a holding call on your special teams captain Sam Franklin which is very unusual and very rare and then I would really, argue
1: inexcusable
2: you can't have that happen on a kick yeah. that goes out of bounds, a short kick. And then you've got Thielen, who I know he's coming back from an ankle injury, but a rare offensive pass interference on him. So right there, and you have to also factor in Frank Reich, who took responsibility in the press conference, Billy, for the delay of game penalty as well. So you've got a couple of things going on there. fact, three, that push you back way onto the mined side of the field. And that just creates all sorts of problems for your offense. You know that. This is a field position, ball control offense right now. They don't have the explosion in terms of the skill position. We saw Demir go down. We saw Shy Smith not part of this offense in terms of speed. They don't have it right now. So they had to play field position, ball control, triangle reads in this offense with the passing game. They have to control the line of scrimmage in the run game, and they can never get into rhythm with that. And how many times we talked about it last week? Arthur Smith. You get behind by 7 or 10 or whatever it was late in the game against an Arco Smith team, it's tough. Unless you have the weapons to be able to come back from that. And hats off to their defense. I mean, look, you mentioned their defensive quarter last week. you got to give Atlanta some credit here. They came out. They had some good pressure packages. I know our offensive line played better for Carolina. But they did some good things defensively, I thought. Bates is a great addition. But uh, I'm not too discouraged about Bryce Young. I'm not. I, I'm realistic, like you are, about what's around him right now. But I will agree, the offensive line, um, Zavala in particular, and Akeem as well. I thought they did a fine job of this game.
1: Yeah. Again, I think if there's one positive you can take away from this offensive performance, it is the playoff. This offensive line, But again, Zavala is going up against. Jarrett Onyemata, Calais. I mean, these are three very good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Calais is kind of getting up there in age, but he's still a pretty effective interior rusher. Um,
2: now, you know, I a, do. He's a foot. He's a foot taller than Bryce Young. I'm not trying to be funny here, but that was that was tough when he got a little bit of penetration. That kind of size can be emblematic of, of what we saw. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think
1: again, Ryan Nielsen, he came from the Saints. Uh, so this is a very this upcoming week, which we will preview later in the week. Um, it, it's a good test because you just faced this defense. Ryan Nielsen showed you um a lot of the same principles that Dennis Allen and Joe Woods are going to show you on Monday night. And so again, this is gonna be a very telling game as far as what kind of adjustments Carolina can make to uh, you know, counteract some of the issues that this defense showed. Again, I fully understand that there were problem that we have a skill talent deficiency, but that doesn't excuse some of
2: the other problems that I noticed in this game. And
1: well, yeah, you know,
2: just real quick, I maybe you were leading into this, but operationally, I mean, this is on Frank Reich too. I mean, we've been tough on that rule over the years. So let's be very honest. And Frank took responsibility for this in the presser this week. They got to get the play call in, man. They got to be some, some tempo issues there in terms of some early down and early clock management situations that that were just unsavory. I just thought I'd slip that in too. But that that was also an issue, and that's that's on Bryce, but it's also on the coaching staff to put him in a winning situation. I saw too many situations early in the game where you know it's 12, 11 seconds, and they're breaking the huddle.
1: Yeah, and I just think like there's there were a few like self inflicted mistakes that I don't. Believe will be like sustainable, like for example, like you know, they're having a pretty good drive, they're at near midfield. You know, Miles Sanders has a nice run and then he fumbles the ball. I mean, I don't expect Miles Sanders to fumble the ball every snap, I mean, certainly he has to do better there. And then again, Atlanta goes down, scores a touchdown on an Algier run, they get the ball back. You know, they're you know, Carolina moving the ball pretty decently, they get a first down and that their 40 yard line, and then third and five. You know, Iquano commits a false start. And then, you know, the next play, you know, Bryce Young is sacked. Um, You know, so overall, like, those are the type of things that need to be cleaned up. Those are the type of issues that you experience in week one. And I just want to make one grand proclamation. Like, this is week one. Like, week one is the biggest fool's gold in, like, America. Like, it it is honestly, like... It's 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 like a, a guy going through like a transformational weight challenge, but like not eating anything for two days and all of a sudden thinking like, you know, he's lost 20 pounds and he's a new person. No, you have to like these type of things take time. And I I just I don't buy any into the narrative that you know week one is indicative of a larger trend. Certainly there are issues and we will point those out. I mean, let's go back to 2001. Carolina won week one in Minnesota, didn't win a game for the rest of the year. So again, I, I think everyone just needs to, you know, we will point out the issues, but I also think that this past week, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, point to any type of long-term um, issue. Again, Bryce has to play better. No one denies that. Uh, but, you know, there were other things that I was sort of pleased with, particularly on the offensive line. And, um, you know, one thing that I do want to kind of get your perspective, John, is um, what did you make of the situation? Uh, you know, it, 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 I mean, it's really tough to tell, but, um, you know, they have a really nice drive coming out of halftime. It, it's fourth and short. They asked Pinheiro to kick that field goal. I mean, were you fine in that situation going for the field goal? Would you have... Uh, potentially even gone for it and see what can what you can kind of uh muster up
2: I I was okay with it at that point I, that, after what happened on the first drive and you know again maybe I'm not the best guy to ask on this because I, I I sometimes kind of have a Neanderthal brain when it comes to this type of stuff but uh to to get points on the board in a game that I knew was going to be um short on points, uh, I, I was fine with that. Again, I was fine with the early down, uh, the early game decision to go for it on fourth down. I wasn't against that. I, you know Again, I'm not going to second guess the play call. There's some things you could do, I think, to maybe learn from that and grow from that. You remember, this is another thing too, and I'm not making excuses for the quarterback, but the number one overall pick in the draft, the last time a, a, a guy has come in in that situation and won a game was our old friend David Carr. From 2002, this is 21 customary. years ago. Yeah, 21 years ago. You're right, and it's a quarterback wins is not a stat we like to glamorize here on 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 this show, the Roar. But I'll say this: that obviously, you know, it's been a minute since you've seen this. Cam Newton had some explosive plays in his opening game, but like you said earlier about the Thomas Davis thing, to compare one to another is a dangerous proposition. Yeah, going for it there. You could go either way. I I don't mind getting points in that situation because I think I know Atlanta well enough to know they have limitations with their quarterback. They have limitations with their skill positions, although I thought it was, uh, you know, revealing that, you know, a couple of of possessions in this game, a couple of snaps at least, uh, there were some opportunities for Kyle Pitts to make big plays, if not for some pass rush issues because he he broke some ankles on a couple uh, that, that ended up not even getting thrown at that point. And then Drake London got shut out. So credit Carolina for that. Bijan was electric, and he didn't get enough touches, I thought. And, but you get into a game with Atlanta, you know how it is with Arthur Smith, man. This is his DNA. You just, you're, it's like John Fox all over again. It's going to be a slugfest, a bit of a pillow fight. So points are at a premium. I was fine with that situation there, at least from a decision-making standpoint. I just think operationally, from where we come from, analyzing a Matt Rule team for the past few years, um, yeah it felt bad as I think as a fan out there if you're watching it you're seeing oh well nothing's changed I get it it's frustrating it's a new staff it's an entirely new system it's an entirely new working quarterback um let's I, I feel good giving this a little bit of time because I know what this makeup is right now when Matt rule would say let's give it time let's give it seven years or whatever the hell it was or three years <laughs> it's like okay this will run its course this I still have a good deal of faith in. That decision, I was fine with. Yeah, okay. And overall, I just think, like... Hey, y'all, John Ellis here for Prize Picks. A simple way to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. It's the most fun I've had, winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You can select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. I just picked Justin Jefferson to have more than seven receptions. You can do the same uh, with a laundry list of players and opportunities out there. Price Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Go to PricePicks.com and use code ROAR for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy at PricePix.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: the lack of explosive um, potential on this offense is very apparent. And, and again, maybe things will change when Chark is healthy. I I don't know about that at all, but uh, I mean, that's the optimistic, um, you know, perspective, I guess. Okay. Let's transition over to offense and, or excuse me, defense. I, I mean, I thought defensively, like, it was, it's a tough game to analyze but there were certainly some standouts um on that side of the ball and the reason why I think it's tough to analyze and I'll get to those standouts is this quarterback for Atlanta I have no idea what to make of him he was not attempting to throw the ball past five yards like it was the most inexplicable I've never seen a quarterback performance like this I can't remember maybe that PJ Walker against the Rams game last year. Yeah, but that's right.
2: That's exactly what I thought of when I saw the tape.
1: This was just, I mean, like you said, John, Pitts was getting open. London had a couple snaps where he was open, but he was just checking down, checking down, checking down. And just, I don't know if that was what he was being coached to do, or if this is just how risk averse he is, but. I thought the Carolina front was outstanding in this game, particularly Derek Brown and Brian Burns. I mean, Burns certainly played, you know, he had a, like a, he had a point to prove Um, and Houston, his first game, I thought he was very good as well. Um, So yeah, I thought that this front really, uh, you know, played with plenty of juice. Now, certainly there were moments that we can dissect and, um, you know, it's obviously not ideal to be giving up over 100 yards on the ground. Um, but I, I do think from a, like, pass rush perspective, um, they really made life hard. And those are some pretty good offensive linemen on the other side of the field.
2: Yeah, man, there were some plays where, you know, look, let's cover the negatives first. Of course, the Falcons had 26 carries, 130 yards, five yards of pop. Two touchdowns. Algier broke off a couple long ones. One of twenty-two was his longest. Uh, Bijan had a twenty-one yarder, and then he had a nice uh catch, I think, on a swing there. And that's you know going to happen. He's an incredible player. He's got all sorts of <laughs> stuff in his toolbox. But I I thought Bijan was a little under, underutilized. But that's Arthur Smith's problem, not mine. Um, if I look at the defense. Overall, I agree with you. I thought the front uh, – number of fronts they ran there, and a lot of it was what we expected uh, on base there. you got sort of your, your boss fronts or your big fronts there with, uh, you know, Shai Tuttle got a lot of snaps. I thought Deshaun Williams had a rough go early, but he came back and had some good plays in, in the second, third, and fourth quarter. They had a lot of hits on the quarterback, six to be exact, Billy. Uh, Lubu had three of those. There were there were some issues with Lubu wrapping up at times. There were a couple times where he was in the backfield with Ritter and I think one in space where he, he's got to move, just to wrap up and get him on the ground. But that's, that's very fair to say that he still had a very good game with seven tackles. He had a sack on the quarterback. Um, he was effective. I thought Brown was incredible in this game. I mean, some of the stuff he did.
0: Yeah, I he
2: was – he was oh. a beast. There's one clip going around, and it's something I noticed on film too that somebody posted. I think it was Ted Gwynn from The Athletic of, of Brown just eviscerating Lindstrom. And, and that's one of the best guards in the hmm. league right there. So again, you're he is he is a he is a force right now. He is doing what he's supposed to be doing within the structure of his defense. And Brian Burns, look, I, I think it was encouraging to hear him talk after the game. We'll talk about, you know, what he did in the game here in a minute. But after the game, he talked to the media and he, he told us, look, you know, I talked to Justin Houston. He talked with me about the situation. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he pretty much said, you know, I'm, I'm putting in God's hands. I, I'm i done talking about my contract. And I think the, the waters have cooled a little bit there in terms of the temperature. And I, I don't think it was that bad to begin with. Our, our good friend Stanley McClover, Brian's brother, was you know, pretty vocal on social media and still remains that way but i think from a business perspective you mentioned it last week to me we were texting back at and you said let's not overreact this is how negotiations go i couldn't agree more it's a long play here for both sides we've seen both get paid burns came out and established himself he marked this territory early in this game and arthur smith set up the game we had to keep away from this guy i think it's pretty true on tape it wasn't just him Glamorizing Brian Burns, he said, you know, we just scheme away. And there was a lot of that going on in the second half where they realized, oh, shit, this guy, it's not, number zero, is kind of wrecking our day here. I uh, he had a good game, seven tackles the second half um, and the tackle for loss. But I thought Derek Brown was a standout. I mean, he was flashing everywhere on tape. And I thought, you know, the, here's one thing I'll say. If, if you're excited about what your past defense did in this game, that's fine. But as you said, there were opportunities down the field that Ritter was just not taking. And the pass rush helped with that, too. But you've got Derek Carr coming in next week, and he's going to be much more, let's say, willing and able to unleash the vertical pass, as we saw last week against Tennessee. So take nothing for granted right now. If you're a Carolina fan, if you're a Carolina player especially, then it's going to be just like it was last week because there were opportunities, especially with Pitt's, even with Drake London in that game, where things vertically were available. And and Ritter's, like you he said, he's a tough study. He's a hard one to figure out right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He just, he worries me for a couple of reasons. I mean, he should have had an interception like on the first plays of the game. And then actually the first yeah. throw of the game, it was bad in the air. It should have been picked. But there was another one where he tried to like fit it into like, you know, to pits, but Luvu was right there and he did a terrible job. Oh, yeah. Look, I yep. mean that's that, that's a Falcons problem. I'm just telling you, like the analysis of the cornerbacks in this game. It, it's I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just trying to um, be a little like level-headed about their performances, just because it's very difficult to parse given what they were facing on the other side from a passing. Uh, it's perspective. gonna get harder.
2: It's gonna get harder. But this is this is about as easy as it's gonna get in terms of a quarterback. Reading, recognizing, and having the ability to pull the trigger vertically, it will get harder. They know that. We know that from looking at the tape. We just want fans to understand that, look, it's a little bit like the Rams game last year when Aquano got that 100-whatever grade for PFF. Just the same thing with... Exactly. I
1: was going to make that comparison, too.
2: I mean, a decent game. It's fine. but This is Atlanta we're talking about. We know what they're all about. You get into a same situation where it's 11 personnel consistently, and they've got verticals all over the place this is going
1: to be a challenge coming up this week. Yeah. Again, um, you know, the saints will certainly pose a different challenge in my opinion. And we'll get into that preview later in the week, but, but yeah, just going back to this defense, uh, I think the biggest like takeaway for me, at least is that this, I mean, you have Brian Burns playing at a very high level, or you had him playing at a high level. And then you have also Derek Brown. So yes um you know both of us acknowledge that we still maintain some optimism that a burns deal will get done in the future um again i personally have no intel to suggest it will or won't i'm just going off my own vibes i guess um but like overall like he showed up um you know deshaun i thought deshaun williams was pretty good too I, i don't know if you have any thoughts on him um i thought he kind of you know made a few nice uh Stops in the, in the in the backfield overall. I thought he had. I agree. Uh, game.
2: Uh, Ninety six. He, look, he there was a couple times early in the game, at least one play where I saw on paper, he he got a little bit out leveraged there on a block. But I thought as the game wore on, he was about as consistent as anybody in the game in terms of, uh, you know, getting penetration, but also maintaining gap integrity in the run game, and also getting a little bit of pop in the pass game. I like ninety six. I like him. I know there's there's some additional roster moves that were uh, made today. Well, I'll give you some updates on that here in a minute. They they this would come to you here on a Tuesday. Uh, the Panthers made a couple of, of moves and they have got a guy in for a tryout on offense. But yeah, I thought you know him and Nick Thurman too. Thurman has been kind of put in there at nose tackle. He played with New England for a minute. I, I thought there were some good things on tape from him as well. Shy Tuttle, you know, again, it's an interesting mix here. Um, it, it's going to be kind of fun to watch this defense progress. They they held him to two of 10 on third down. I'll give them that. I mean, look, that's the money down. I know it's Ritter and it will get harder, but uh, there, there were some good things. I thought 96 to Sean Williams was, was really good on tape. I really do.
1: Yeah, for sure. And again, it, it's just um, such a weird game to analyze on that side of the ball given the situation. But, um, Yeah, I thought, you know, Evro and his unit really came up to the task. I mean, they were, again, Algier, when he was running the ball late in the second half, he certainly had his moments. But I I just do want to put into context a couple of things here. You know, the first thing is, like, when their touchdown to go, or excuse me, actually, it it was um, 10 to 7 when Bryce threw the interception. And, you know, the Falcons started at their Carolina 36, and they just kicked a field goal. Their next drive, they got the ball in pretty good field position again at their own 40. And then they went, what 61 yards uh, for a touchdown. And then, um, you know, their last touchdown to uh, go up 24 to 10, they got the ball at their own 45. So like it, it, it was not anything like, like, I think 24 points is a little misleading. I just think that Atlanta got some short fields and Hey, I mean, they deserve credit for, Making the place, I mean, that throw to pits, um, you know, where you know Ritter actually did make one his only downfield attempt, I think. Um, I mean, that's you know the benefit of having a, in my opinion, very good tight end. You should probably use him, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, overall, like it, it was a, it's a tough game to parse from a defensive perspective. But to me, Brown, Burns, uh, Louvu, like you said, um, you know, Houston and uh, Deshaun Williams. I mean, those are some guys that really stood out uh, from uh, from my perspective. I mean, this secondary, like, yes, I don't think any of them necessarily played horribly. And it wasn't like a situation in Tampa week 17 last year, but they have to really come up to the task uh, starting this week against the likes of Olave and Thomas and Shahid um, because yeah, th- this, this, I mean, they have to if this defense wants any type of competency. Uh, But, yeah, John, I I just think this defense, a pretty good first impression under this new scheme, and and we had pretty high hopes as it is. Um, I'm going to be fascinated to see how they do with uh, the loss of Horn, but I I am excited to watch them just because I think the front can finally set the tone for them.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I think personnel-wise, I didn't get a complete chart of what, Atlanta ran, but just at, at first glance, looking at some of the defensive tape, it was a lot of 12 personnel. It was a lot of, uh, you know, base personnel that Atlanta runs and you're going to see more 11 personnel, a little of three wides, occasionally some four wides from from what they do down there in New Orleans. And and it'll be more of a spread look, I think. And, and that also gives you an opportunity to defense to show a little more of what you can do in terms of your wide nine package, in terms of your front four what you have in nickel and dime and and some of your, your sub packages. So they've certainly got some interesting pieces in terms of pass rushing Burns is, is always effective against new Orleans. And, you know, it's, it's a different team every year. It's a different season every year. So you don't want to say, well, historically this happens or this happens, but historically I will say that when you catch new Orleans early on, Carolina seems to have success in those games. Um, So it'll be interesting. Burns is going to have to be big, penetration in the middle with Brown. Uh, there's no Alvin Kamara in this game. They've got some interesting weapons. We'll break this game much more down later in the week. But it's a much different, I think, construction in terms of what they do offensively than Atlanta. So it's going to be interesting to see how that mirrors itself defensively from what they did against Atlanta. Uh, you know, like Yuturgos Matos is a guy that had two snaps defensively in this game. They were playing a lot of the big guys, a lot of, a lot of sort of the base feel in that defense, and we expected that with the way Atlanta runs the ball and how they establish the line of scrimmage. It would be interesting to see against, like, a New Orleans team, a team that's a little less inclined to run it, a little more inclined to to be throw first, pass, uh, or run second, I should say, um, if that changes the defensive strategy. But, yeah, I thought Everett's defense was fine. I thought it was a good start. Um, Algiers a tough running back. Uh, Bijan's a tough weapon. But, uh, you know, they did a fine job other than that.
1: Yeah, for sure. My my early lean on Tuesday, September twelfth is that I I do believe Carolina will beat the Saints this upcoming week. I just think like like you said, um, you know, the past couple of years they faced the Saints in Week two, like on an early Sunday kickoff. But you know, I I know this one's on Sunday night. But still, they've um, you know, outside of that, yeah, I think it was that one game in two thousand twenty and a couple of years in nineteen and twenty where they kind of struggled at home against them uh they've actually played really they've played the saints tough at home and they've actually won a couple of them and um yeah. but yeah like i and i also think just overall like this a lot again it's the week one fool's gold narrative i mean you have the saints you know gutting out a close win at home against a tough titans team and you have carolina a young team with the new regime you know looking uh, a little overwhelmed and uh, again, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. I just think like a lot of the narrative is going to shift back in the opposite direction, and I think, you know, that's why I, I believe that Carolina has a lot of advantages as they go into this week two game. You know, they have tape on you know how to attack this scheme because it's a very similar scheme that Dennis Allen runs. Of course, nothing to take away from Allen; he's obviously an excellent defensive coordinator, so I'm sure he's going to make some adjustments uh, as well. Uh, but I do feel like this is setting up for a pretty good opportunity for Carolina to um you know take advantage of a win on uh looks like an early Monday night start uh that's a little oh, it's double header yeah oh, yeah got, it's a double header it's, that's pretty cool it's our
2: buddy our buddy Dan Orlovsky's on the call with Chris Fowler in that game so there's a there's a two for one that night that's so cool. yeah that that's gonna be cool yeah I'll be at that game I'm looking forward to covering it and, and and give giving some insights from sights and sounds and one thing you mentioned i'm keeping a close eye on as you asked me to in the preseason um and i don't think we did a follow-up podcast on this the proximity of, of thomas brown to the quarterback and sort of the structure on the sideline there's some things we look at here when we cover games so we'll obviously have a chance to talk to frank and Bryce after the game and, and maybe maybe brian and some other guys but yeah, it's, it's interesting to get an early primetime game. I, I'll say this. There's a couple roster moves here. The the Panthers did, according to Joe Person and a few others, uh, re-signed Deion Jones to the practice squad. That'll be interesting to see if they work him into the rotation at all. They still uh, have some veterans there with Shaq and and Muvu and, and, and Gruzier Hill. But uh, Deion Jones is back in the building. Uh, they did sign Lamar Jackson, not quarterback, but the corner. Uh, back the defensive back from the Ravens, or I, I think he spent time actually with another team, but he's uh, he's in the building now. And they signed Chris Wormley, who was a I don't know if you know, yeah, Chris he's a pretty all- good
1: body for the interior.
2: Yeah, he's he looks awesome. they, they've added a few pieces there that came through the wire yesterday and today, so. It's interesting. It's always interesting after week one to see the roster shuffles and, and who they bring back. I had a feeling Jones would be back after week one. A lot of these veterans come back for financial reasons after that uh, opening game, and, and and maybe he'll find his way into the rotation somewhere. But yeah, I I, I go back to the offensive line. I thought that was very encouraging. I, Atlanta's beefed up there. They, they, they've gotten stronger, a little bit faster off the edge. They're aggressive. They threw some blitzes, and there were some moments late where the game's out of hand, where I know Bryce was stepping a cup field and half and roll, and that's tough. But, you know, a lot of the conversation will be about Bryce Young, how he played in that game. It's it's all a part of the growing curve and learning experience. But I, I saw enough good things that flashed that got me in a good state of mind going into this week that, okay, you know what? That's tough. If Miles Sanders doesn't fumble one of your veterans around midfield or past midfield on the plus side, you're in great shape. If you've got two interceptions there to Jesse Bates, Bryce is a smart enough guy to go back to the film and say, "You know what? Okay, I, I see now what's going on here. Let's we'll cut that bullshit out. That's not going to happen again." I think you got what you got with your skill positions right now. It's it's Miles who had some good moments here in Philadelphia. It's Chuba who's obviously in good favor with his staff right now. Hayden Hurst is more than capable of tight end. He's I mean, tight end production has been down this year, really. It's been down. I don't I don't see anybody. And tied tight end right now, especially with Kelsey out and with Andrews out, having big games. And I do had one of the better games of the week in terms of that position. Nothing else, really, in terms of Trimble or Thomas. Thielen, I, I still don't think he was 100%. I'm going to give him a couple weeks, but we know what he is and isn't at this point. The big X factor is Chart. Can he get healthy and provide some spacing and, and a little bit of separation on the boundary there to X? Um, Mingo did a fine job in this game, too, but we just got to connect those Could have been a 99-yard touchdown was sitting right there for the take. And and I thought Bryce could have put a little more arc on that ball. It was a little flat. That's just my observation. I'm not J.T. O'Sullivan by any means. But that was just my first glance at the tape on that. Tough throw, tough situation. You don't want to be backed up in your one. But they'll eventually connect on those.
1: Yeah, like I said, uh, I think there's still some there, there's certainly areas of optimism you know, as we head into week two. So it was not a pretty game by any stretch, so I don't want to, um, you know, just sing sunshine and rainbows here. But um, yeah, we're looking forward to dissecting and previewing the Saints later in the week. Uh, but that's going to be it for today. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next time and uh, we'll speak to you then.